So imagine I asked you to draw the picture that appears in your head when you hear the word firefighting. Now, let me guess some of the things in that picture. So there's probably a fire truck, you know, it's, it's racing down a packed street, cars are pulled over. There's a building on fire, there's ladders, there's more firemen than you can count, many if not all of them carrying hoses. Well, in many places, that is what firefighting looks like, but not in Eddy County, New Mexico. Eddy County, in the southeastern corner of the state, is 4,200 square miles of scrubby Chihuahuan desert up against the Guadalupe Mountains. In Eddy County, 11 volunteer fire departments put out primarily oil fires, sometimes too hot to get close to with a hose. They often have only enough men to put one guy in each truck, and sometimes they've built that truck themselves. On today's show, we talked to two firemen from the volunteer fire department in Malaga, New Mexico, population 147. They both say they were hooked the first time they fought a fire, but here's my question. In such a sparsely populated area, did they even have a choice? This is How Your World Works, and I'm Kevin Dupsick. So for today's show, we wanted to learn a little bit about what life might be like for a firefighter, but not just any firefighters. Um, my guests today are Fire Chief Pecos Davis and Chance Parsons from the Malaga Volunteer Fire Department in Eddy County, New Mexico. And they fight fires in an environment that probably most of us are not familiar with. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, I wanted to hear from each of you how you got into the fire service in the first place. Maybe that's the best place to start. So if you guys just each want to kind of give a little bit of your own backgrounds, that'd be great. Go ahead, take it. Okay. I got my start in the fire industry about 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, actually, my brother-in-law is a member of the department, and he'd tell me about fires and everything that they went on, and then I got to just go into their fires and watch it, and I finally joined their department and been in it ever since. And what about you, Chance? You know, it's a family thing. You know, my brother-in-law is Pegasus, and uh, his brother-in-law talked him into it, same as me. I married into the family. Uh, you know, I was hook, line, and sinker from day one, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've been in the service for about three years now. I uh, enjoyed every minute of it. So you guys are brothers-in-law? Yes, sir. And so, uh, Chance, I guess if you're the one who married into the family, did you have a choice? Or was it pretty much the die was cast? No, no, it was uh, it was pretty much part of the prerequisite when I said I do, um, that I, I'd be part of the fire department, too. But didn't have to twist too hard. <laughs> And tell me about uh, where Malaga is. Um, Malaga, we live in South Eddy County, which is in South Central New Mexico, and it's a it's a it's a community of about fifteen. Uh, so we we basically have a firehouse, we have two supply stores, and we have a post office, and and so that is our you know our direct area. Um, but. We, we cover almost probably up to probably about 50 square miles of open BLM range land, uh, either government land or state-owned or, you know, privately owned land on top of that. We have a vast area, very small uh, group of people, but a very large area to cover. And what's the landscape out there actually like? If you if you could imagine the desert southwest, the the, the mesquite trees growing, uh, uh, some rolling hills. Uh, we have the the Guadalupe Mountains to the west of us that you can uh, that you can see from here. Do you, are you guys ever fighting those you know big like you know tons of acres because the landscape's caught on fire, or is it is the is it kind of like too scrubby out there to really spread? 
Well, most of our country is too scrubby to really spread. You know, it started raining again three years ago, but we went almost three years without a drop of rain. So there wasn't, for a long time, you know, there there wasn't any grass to burn. There wasn't anything <laughs> to burn. So, And so what kind of fires are these? What are you guys responding to generally? Most of the fires we respond to were uh, tank battery fires or, uh, or frack tank fires is, is basically what we respond to. There's a few vehicle fires involved and uh, a small amount of vegetation fires. Uh, can you describe what a, a tank battery, and I didn't catch what the, the second one was that you said, but can you describe what those are? Yeah, uh, uh, a tank battery is uh, essentially a, you know, a 20-foot-tall, 16-foot-around tank, and, and, and they're enclosed, and that's what your oil and your water that, you're extra- that we're extracting from the ground uh, that's what that's what it goes into after separation process, after running through the separation equipment. And so uh, on any given location, there'll be six of those tanks there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them are always fiberglass. Your water always goes in fiberglass, and then the steel, your oil goes into steel. What a frack tank is, is basically um, instead of being round, it's, it's a square tank on wheels. So it's a portable tank. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know... When a lot of times those are open tops, they don't have tops on them, and so they use those for different, different, uh, different things in, in the oil field, and and we've we've battled quite a few of those because what, one thing we fight is we we have a dry landscape here, and it, it's hot and dry, and so we fight uh, the actual threat of static electricity. The the wind with dry weather creates static electricity. And then the friction of the separation of oil and gas and oil, gas, and water creates static there. And then and you can actually have a chain reaction. And, and you go from zero to 100 in the blink of an eye of a raging fire. Wait, so, the, you're, so oh, hold on. So you can, static electricity created by wind on the dry landscape can spark the, an oil correct. fire all on its own. Correct. correct. Is that the way that, I had no idea. Is that the way that most of these fires start? Um, as the oil, as the oil field is, is evolving, they're getting better techniques at grounding. Um, three years ago when I first started, we were fighting, uh, one of the, essentially almost a static fire, probably once every two to three weeks. But the the oil companies have done extensive research because, I mean, this is a loss, so it's costing them money. And so, uh, now we, 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 we don't have near as many of them. Uh, you know, we'll probably have uh, one or two every two or three months. But um, with the right components and the right everything, uh, you know, static will start a lot of this stuff. Yes. That is the crazy. Right um, yeah. What else? Is there any, like thunderstorms? I mean, is, is it elect- are electrical storms also a culprit here? We're right on the edge of what they, that they call like a dry line. And so a lot of storms start right here. And so what we do is we catch the lightning off of them thunderstorms or dry, you know, dry, dry lightning. And uh, lightning and fiberglass love each other. And so, you know, fiberglass water tanks, lightning is good. You know, any good lightning storm, we're going to have uh, at least one tank battery fire. And, and it's essentially, it's just the water tanks that are on fire. But this water... It's not just you know water. It's it's water extracted from the ground, ten to fifteen thousand feet in the ground. Um, so it's laced with oil. It has some oil in it. Huh. So basically, the water burns. 
And so, you know, lightning hits that, this fiberglass tank, blows the top off of it, and, and in the meantime, it's actually igniting the water, and then, you know, then so you have this fiberglass burning, melting down with with water in it. And so it, it gets really hot really fast. And so do the tanks and, ever uh, then leak, like water that's on fire? Correct. There's actually containment. Uh, around all these tanks, and I should explain that a little bit earlier, but there's containments around there. So, yes, it does. It does leak, but it, it leaks into the containments that are made to hold this water. But, I mean, you, you got to remember, you know, you have a fiery mix coming out. It's a, you know, a rubber-based containment, but it's 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 made to withstand some of that, and so it, it, it doesn't burn up as fast. You know, when we get called out on these fires, it's not much an offensive fire that we're, we're, we're on defense trying to protect number one is the environment and two is just the other equipment there once it hits that tank that tank's going to be gone it's destroyed yeah. and we can stop it from burning everything else down you know in the vicinity that's a win for us that's that's a positive uh pegas and i have both uh so it'd be the second fire he ever took me on i was still green wet behind the ears um, we were there almost nine hours fighting these, these, these tanks because we could not, it was so much, it actually got into the oil tank. So, you know, you think, okay, water's burning. Okay. That's, that's bad enough. Then when you actually ignite the oil, it was, it was, and you know, it was a battle, you know, it was a long drawn out deal. We're going to pause there for a second, just to hear a quick word from our sponsors. Malaga is a volunteer fire department. So what does that mean exactly? The people that are in the fire department, they don't get paid anything for that. So at any time, I mean, when the tones go off, if you're able to go, you basically just go to the station and, and get a truck and go to the scene. It's There's no pay in it. There's no, re, no reward other than a personal satisfaction of knowing you were able to put out a fire, you were able to help somebody that was in need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so you guys have day jobs then, and, and if you can get away from work, you go when the bell sounds, or what? Yes, sir. I actually work in the oil field. Uh, there are some calls we go on it. You know, we'll leave the house 10 o'clock at night and come home at 4 o'clock in the morning and go to work. That's all the sleep we had. But that can't be safe. <laughs> <laughs> we try and squeeze a nap in during the day, so just in case we get, you know, we called out that night it's a very close-knit bunch of people you know there's 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 eight people in our department uh the department that we we kind of call our sister department which is north of us uh which is otis uh there's probably 25 people on theirs so you know you you put that together that's 32 you think well that's a lot of people well um you're looking at probably on a good on a good big fire you're probably going to get maybe 10 yeah so you don't get pretty skimpy So you really don't know when the bell sounds. You don't know how many guys are going to show up at the firehouse and be able to grab a truck and head out. Correct. You're listening for who's who's calling in, saying they're headed there. So it's not much like you're waiting. If they, you only hear two other guys calling, and you know it's a big fire. What they do is they ask for another another department, the nearest department. So you know there's there's 11 volunteer fire departments in just the county of of Eddy County. 
and so what they'll do is they'll work their way away from the fire. And so we, you know, we might have guys responding to a fire that that's on the Texas state line, which is you know 15 miles south of the of the station. Because you have to remember, there's normally only one guy in every truck that goes. So we don't have a four-man crew. It's normally a one-man crew in every truck. Wait, there's just one person in each fire truck? Yes, sir. And that's um, just because you're small? People get to the station at different times, so if you waited at the station for a four-man crew, you might have to wait there 15 or 20 minutes when the first guy could already be headed to the scene, so when he gets there, he could give a size up to what's actually going on. So, like, the first guy that gets to the station, who's then going to be the first person, presumably, on scene, like, do you guys have different types of trucks? How does this person choose what to take with them when they're the first person going? Our department, our first out trucks are our, our, our snoggle truck and then our foam truck. Because, because we know what the next department, we know what the Otis Fire Department's going to bring. You know, they're going to bring our tankers to support. You're saying snozzle? So, yes, sir. So what's the snozzle? Basically, it's a 36-foot-long fire truck that haul, you know, hauls 1,500 gallons of water and, and or 1,250 gallons of water, excuse me, and 200 gallons of foam, and it's got a, a articulating stick that comes out of the top of it, and that stick reaches out 55 foot. And so, what 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 the whole case behind getting that was just because of the manpower that we run into out here in the old. Uh, you know, lack of it, and then also the safety factor. Um, most of the stuff's not going to blow up, but it's hot. It's very, very hot. And so, you know, the farther we can stay away, the, the safer we are going to be, the more likely we're going to make it to work the next day. And uh, Pecos and myself were two of the guys. There were was, was several that actually went to Appleton, Wisconsin to help design this truck. And so we... We went through the intricate parts of, of you know, we, this is what we need, this is how we need it. And uh, there was a few head scratchers. Uh, uh, we had a few engineers that, that shook their head and told us no, and we told them yes, and, and then by the end of it, they agreed. But they made it feel like they agreed. I don't know if they did or not. Foam is our major component on fighting these oil field fires. If we fought them with water, we would make them twice as big, twice as fast. And it's just because... Foam counteracts, I mean, I'm sorry, water counteracts with it, and it splashes. And and this foam suppresses it and basically smothers it. And and we've used several different types, and we're really, really happy with the type that we have now. Um, it, it actually has a cooling agent in it, so when it hits these fires, it actually is cooling it while we're, while we're smothering it at the same time. One, this, this nozzle that we bought from Pierce, and then, and then two, this, this, this type of foam that we're using. Combine those together, it's a, it's a firefight machine. And you said you guys have like a second truck that's specifically for the foam? Correct. And that was, uh, that was before this nozzle, uh, Pecos and I, one night, we were like, man, we need, to, we need to be able to get more foam to the fire and get it on the fire. And so we had a truck that was not, in service, not being used, it was just a flatbed truck. We had a we had a 500 gallon tank that was uh, left over from something else, and so um, it kind of started as a drawing on the on a on a piece of cardboard on the back of the truck. And <laughs> four months later, we you know we just bought the parts as we needed them and kind of built it. We built it ourselves. 
we used like a water trash pump that most people would pump. You know, say they flooded their basement, they would pump. That's what we used to to get the foam into the truck, and then we actually we hook, uh, say a, a pumper truck or an engine, a fire engine, to it, and you know, and we 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 put you know 200 pounds of pressure on it with you know 150 gallons per minute uh, going through it, and we have three different monitors, which a monitor is basically a stationary fixed device that that you can adjust the nozzle. And so we have three of them on them, two are remote control. One is, uh, is, is not, one's a, a big two and a half inch and you can, you can, you can put some fire out with that thing if, if need be. So. Is this what you guys do at all your family get togethers? You just sit around and figure out what, what <laughs> fire truck to make next? You know, in that part of the country where it's pretty sparsely populated, are there a lot of places that don't have the resources and have to get help from, you know, significant mileage away? That's just, something in the fire industry i mean if you need help you just ask for the next closest department to come help you and and they're always willing to come help you and we're always willing to go help them yeah. i mean you got to remember when we when we're out on these fires we don't have a fire hydrant anywhere close by i mean we normally if we have to haul water we're gonna have to come all the way back into malaga and at times the round trip to haul water can be 45 miles round trip just to get the water back to where the fire is at so it takes a lot of tankers and a lot of coordination to keep the, the water supply at these fires and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors when you said that you have for example you said that you know you've you fought a fire that lasts nine hours what what are you doing over the course of those nine hours it's hard it's just so hard for me to understand that you could be continuously fighting a fire for that amount of time we had a couple of valves fell on the tanks which was uh allowed oil and stuff to get out on the ground which created a full fire i think there was five frack tanks involved on that fire so you have that much heat it just takes a lot of water and foam to cool that off where you know where it doesn't reignite on its own like i said that that particular fire that was the second fire i'd ever been on in my life and we're, we're cooling these tanks, and we're doing this. And Pegas said, are you ready to go in? Well, I don't know if you heard the short part of him saying some valves failed. Well, I, you know, me being the young brother-in-law, younger brother-in-law, sure. And we had a guy with a monitor, which he was shooting water out of a two-and-a-half-inch hose, stationary fixed on our backs. And we went into the fire we had a hand line and we went into the fire to push it back and to manually close the valves on those tanks so it would quit spilling on the ground so we could get the ground fire out in turn so we could get the fire out on top and so my 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 second experience and like i said that that's when i was hook line and sinker is literally staring at fire in your face as we're going in to to uh, to shut these valves off. And at, at one time, during this whole little deal, one of the tanks decided to off-gas, which is to release that natural gas, and the tank popped. Well, you hear a, a, a little explosion or a big explosion, you're going to run. And I don't know who was pulling who faster with the hose, but we were both going backwards uh, out of out of harm's way, which then in turn we turned around and went back in, 
to, you know, finish, finish our job. So that's a pretty crazy experience to have really early on in yeah. your exposure to the fire service. <laughs> I actually, I actually wanted to ask, you know, as a volunteer department, how do you get training? I mean, what, what kind of training is there for, for guys that are coming to this, you know, when this isn't their background at all? The county does all of its own in-house training. Plus, if, say, we want to go, uh, Texas A&M has a huge industrial fire training school. If there's four or five of us to get together and want to go, all we have to do is ask, and they will send us there. They have, uh, you know, your firefighter one, firefighter two, your hazmat courses. They have all the courses that any regular firefighter would have at, you know, at, uh, at another volunteer or a paid department would have. We actually a couple months ago had an oil company donate some oil and some tanks, and they lit them on fire and, and on purpose, and we went <laughs> and put them out just to to get that experience, to get the people that haven't been around there, haven't seen that stuff. But, you know, in a controlled environment, in the daylight, because this stuff never happens in the day. It's always in the, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning is whenever this stuff happens. <laughs> and so, you know, get, get some get some hands-on experience in the daylight in a controlled environment where there's lots of people, you know, lots of eyes and stuff like that. So the yeah. county really tries to take care of us on this. Pegas, do you remember the first fire you were at? Ah, uh, I think one of the first first fires I was ever at was a structure fire. It was a trailer house. At the time we got there, it was pretty well involved. Um, I didn't get to make entry on it, but we got to, I got to pump a bunch of trucks and spray a lot of water on that one. And <laughs> I mean, once you go on a fire, you're pretty well hooked on it. it just, yeah, is it just is it the excitement or the adrenaline or the fact that it looks cool? I mean, what is the thing that, I mean, because you guys, that's funny that you guys have both said the same thing, that like it just took one pretty much and you were... You knew it was something you had to do. I mean, what what is it about fire or firefighting? I don't know. Seventeen year old and a five year old, and they'll both tell you they're going to be volunteer firemen. I mean, it's they've been on some fires with us, and they they're like, that's what I want to do. It's just I don't know if you ever watch fire and you ever have to go like try to put it out, and learn about it. It's it's a very neat thing just to just to watch and learn and. Because fire can create its own weather, it's got its own behavior. It's a it's a whole different animal. Is it predictable at all? Um. Well, as soon as you try to predict it, it's going to go the other way. So no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you say it creates its own weather, you mean like it, like wind, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, it can create its own wind. Say, uh, like a grass fire can actually create its own wind. Create fire. Uh, fire tornadoes and all that stuff so when we get those fires burning on say a tank battery fire when you get a large fire you can you can just hear that fire it, it roars when it gets large enough mm-hmm. and and I've, I've i've witnessed them on a tank battery you'll actually you know it it looks like a mini vortex uh in in something that's that's super hot and you'll see it spinning in there and it's it's just it's created so much heat, and it's, it's, it's you know just like a just like a tornado. It's almost a living organism in there burning. You hear in California how these fires get so big and they're jumping, you know, jumping treetops and oh, stuff like right, that yeah. because they're creating their own their own wind, and that's what's pushing them. Now the wind in general is blowing hard, but you know that's why it's getting so large. It'll actually it'll, it'll jump out in front of itself and start a little fire, and uh, 
you know, you'll you'll start seeing it spotting out, and then the then the main primary fire will get to it, stuff like that. It, it's something about the, like you said, probably the adrenaline. Uh, you know, I'm both Pecos and I are probably, you know, I'm I'm a minor or major adrenaline junkie, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so adrenaline, and then and then for me, uh, a lot of it is, I just like I I enjoy helping. You know, if it's if it's on a wreck, if I can if I can save somebody's life, if I you know, because we wrecks, industrial accidents, any of that kind of stuff. You know, if I can save somebody's life, man, that's 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 awesome. That that means that what I you know chose to do, chose to help, is is working. And and sometimes you get to save them, and sometimes you don't. And the same thing with fire. Sometimes you get to save somebody's house, sometimes you don't. But you know, at least you know we tried. You know, you you gave it all you had. Uh, you said that fire is often unpredictable. What's the most confusing thing you've seen a fire do? I mean, on a grass fire, that sucker will just turn around and come back at you. Just don't. I mean, it's like, well, we were just headed one direction, and the wind shift or whatever, and it'll come right back at you, and you're like, where'd that come from, you know? And on my side, and I didn't witness this, but I've heard lots of stories, and it's actually, I was, it was before my time, before my time in the fire service, before I lived in Eddie County, they... They they had some tanks, and they actually strategically weld the tanks. Um, they weld them stronger on the bottom and lighter on top. So if if the top blows off, it will. Uh, it, if if lightning hits it or something like that, the top will blow off. If not, uh, it'll create heat in there. And if if it's upside down and the weld the the lighter welds on the bottom, they got the tank upside down. Mm-hmm. And the tank will actually take off like a rocket. What? And uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so one of the things that you want to do whenever you're coming up on these tank batteries is kind of study it to see to make sure that these things, um, because at the manufacturer they'll they'll weld them upside down where the, the 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 weaker point of the tank is at the bottom and not at the top. But it it literally took off like a rocket and went over top of the over top of the, uh, the fire trucks and, uh, and, and landed on the other side of them. And so, um, that, that, that's something that's kind of unpredictable and you got to, you know, pay attention, focus on what's going on there and stuff like that. That's your, that's, that's your advice to somebody who's worried that a, a tank might take off like a rocket and jump over them is just focus and pay attention. Correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. And you guys volunteers for this. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. I don't think I have any other questions. I've just basically concluded that your family is a lot cooler and more useful than mine is. <laughs> There's always a volunteer department looking for more people. You should go join. So that's our show. Higher World Works is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And by the way, don't forget to check out our other show, The Most Useful Podcast Ever. And if you want to read more about wildland firefighting, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com podcasts. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital editions of our magazine for just $13.99 for one year. I'm Kevin Dupsick. Thanks for listening.